Yes, guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio's South Asian show. My name's Gerns, and I'm joined here today by Praveen Ganandran. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Where are you? It looks quite hot where you are. Yeah, I'm based in New York right now in the United States. Uh, weather's pretty good today. It's usually very cold here, though. Yeah, no, because you've got like your cap and vest on and everything. But we, we've actually been having good weather here, you know. Normally it's like raining all the time, but my yeah. place, I'll say that and then tomorrow it'll just be raining again. But Exactly. Yeah, same story here. For the listeners out there, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, right now I'm actually in college. I'm in university right now, an undergraduate. Um, I'm studying here in the United States at a school called Cornell, um, where I'm pursuing a business education. Um, I really got interested in music in high school when a friend of mine wanted to make an album talking about her high school experiences. At the time, I had not much music experience. I just learned to sing throughout my life, but I had never actually formally been in a music project. And when I was in that album, I immediately just fell in love with the song creation process. I enjoyed writing lyrics, you know, working with beats and trying to make something that could connect with people. And so after that album was released, I decided that I wanted to take music as sort of like a part-time thing I could work on while I'm at university. And so I started toying around with this new concept of how can I blend my Tamil background with Western hip hop? And I saw that a lot of artists right now are emerging doing this sort of similar trend of mixing those two cultures together. And so I sort of followed some of my inspirational artists, whether it be Janssen, Sam, Prit, artists that are sort of facilitating this transition. And I started making music similar myself. And that's sort of what led me into Arivu, which was my new album release, which is a culmination of this fusion style of music that integrates Tamil and Western hip hop. Yeah, it's really cool to hear you describe your music yourself because i was going to say before this that in fusion is how i would describe it so obviously you're combining two some would say polar opposite genres of music what's the process that is there one or do you kind of just go with is it is a reflection of your own personality like how do you go about it yeah exactly so um when i was when i was a kid starting from the age of 7 or so i learned something called carnatic music it's a form of indian classical music and so all my vocal training was focused on carnatic music when i started making music i was very interested in rap and hip hop and so naturally as i was listening to beats i would sort of feel myself deviating to my carnatic music background as i was trying to write some more like western type of lyrics and so unintentionally as i was writing i started to feel like tamil words and sort of the tamil style of singing was naturally coming into the way that i wanted to write and sort of process a song and so the very first single i released which was neom nan which was the first fusion song i had ever done um i remember as soon as i heard the beat suddenly like tamil lyrics started flowing in my head and i wanted to combine that with english um because i could feel the two blend together very naturally and so it was it was one of those moments where it kind of was like an aha moment where i realized that these two things can truly be blended together um a lot of people at first told me like you know people are not going to be able to remember the lyrics it's very different it may not resonate with people but i took the chance and and did it anyway um learned a bit from my first two releases and then with Ariva now I'm seeing that a lot of people are sort of resonating with that style of music it's able to attract people that are into western hip hop but also people that are into double music and so it's attracting a wider audience and so that process was very interesting to learn and understand um but as time progresses I become better at understanding how to make the two flow more naturally so that even the listener can't even realize sometimes that it's a fusion song they just think it's any other song Coming on to our river as well. Obviously that's your um, first major project, right? Yeah. 
So um, how was it? Um, obviously, that's quite like a major milestone. What was the process of deciding, okay, these are the tracks that I want to do, I want to do them in this order, that sort of thing, and like also general themes throughout, that sort of thing. Yeah, so when I came up with Arriva, there was really two things. First thing was that personally for me, um, I wanted to create a project where I could sort of take Tamil fusion music to the next level. And when I decided that I wanted to do this album, I was very particular about who I wanted to feature on this album and which artists I wanted to bring on. So some of the big features on this album include Sam and Prit, two artists that are making it very big in the UK right now with their style of music um, that both have a Tamil background, actually. And then um, artists like Vinin and Praveen, who are based in Toronto in the US. I chose to work with these four artists as features because they shared that same cultural background as me. And I thought that that would deliver this fusion style more strongly to an audience that's going to be a lot of Tamil people that are listening to this music. Um, so that was really how I chose my features and like the direction of who I wanted on this album. When I think about how I structured this album and the general themes, Arriva is all about, so Arriva translates to knowledge in English. And so Arriva is all about what I learned in the last four years of my life. Um, you know, in these four years, through different sort of experiences where I made mistakes myself, where I had to understand my mistakes, I had to learn from them to make myself a better person and become a better version of myself. That's what Ariva is all about. It's about understanding those sort of relationships that I had with people that taught me what it's like to make these mistakes, how it makes you sort of feel down and sad, but then how do you get out of it and what do you learn from it? And so I structured the theme of the music to be sort of explaining that narration of four years of my life. Um, and when I like, and that's exactly precisely how I ordered it, sort of starting from, you know, relationships to the lessons that I learned in each relationship and the very final song where I'm sort of kind of bringing everything together and sort of explaining in first person what my experiences were. Um, so that was sort of the theme and structure of the album. And then with artists, like I felt that they were the strongest artists to deliver that sort of image that I wanted to create for this album. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask about um, the artists, but you've summed it up really well in terms of why obviously you would choose like all of them and are four really great talents. I think it's also testament to the fact that honestly, I feel up until recently, Obviously, Tamil music has existed. There's been plenty of Tamil talent out there, but I think certainly it's on the rise in terms of being recognized, not only in music, but also in, um, I think, all like areas of work. Like it's just becoming a lot more of a representative thing. So how does it feel to sort of be a part of that wave almost? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, a huge reason why I'm passionate about music and I keep doing this and I keep coming back to it is because I want to be part of this new trend. I want to be a part of this new sort of mission to bring Tamil music to the forefront of, you know, media. And I think like I've seen a lot of artists that I've personally been inspired by who spent so much time, so many years of just putting out music, took a long time to get to where they are. And now they're finally starting to gain that recognition, which is awesome. I think that for me, I really want to sort of, you know, and I, the thing is I live in a very, in a, the school that I go to, there aren't really a lot of, like, I'm not talking to a lot of brown people. Most of the people that listen to my music here are not brown. Um, and that's really interesting to me because when I see people that aren't the same culture as me come to me and tell me that they really like my music and they're listening to it 
so much and they're enjoying the sound of it that's when it really tells me that Tamil music is not just for Tamil people it's for everyone it's for everyone to enjoy because as long as the sound is good and as long as you know the delivery of the song is is enjoyable everyone's going to listen to it everyone's going to enjoy it and i think that's what we're seeing in Tamil culture right now we're seeing a lot of artists sort of capitalizing on these hip hop trends that you're seeing in western culture but they're blending that Tamil style into it and so that's why we're seeing audiences all across the world there's France Germany um Toronto you all like states in the US there's so many more artists that are emerging and also a bigger audience that's coming out of it so i'm really excited to be a part of that trend and hopefully expand my audience as well and connecting and connecting with them in that way talking about um the overall sound of the album because obviously you've um, mentioned about the structure of it why you chose to um collaborate with certain artists but in terms of the way that actually sounds um it is like you say you've got those western elements and almost i'd say very much futuristic like there were moments in it where it's like okay these are very like almost intergalactic space sounds sort of thing and then but then you've got also the um the traditional flute motifs throughout and i think that night they really blends together in a way that you wouldn't expect necessarily expect it to so yeah i don't know if there was any sort of um what was that intentional or were you just i'm just going to throw myself into this and see what happens. Yeah, I think so in the album when it comes to sounds as you mentioned a lot of flute motifs and other sort of traditional in um instruments you would hear in Tamil music. I think what I was trying to go for with Arivu was to give people a diverse listening experience. Um I didn't want to sort of make all the tracks sound very similar. What I wanted to do is I wanted to make my album sort of fit different audience groups. And so I understand that my Tamil music is probably going to reach people that are more into traditional Tamil music. And so when I think of tracks like Ase um or Sogam um these are songs in the album where it's much more traditional traditional instruments traditional style that Tamil people are most exposed to but then when you kind of go a step further and you think about um how do you sort of deviate for, to that um to reaching people that are into this new emerging hip hop trend that's when we're talking about tracks like Marakade or like Tora Tora was was our track with Sam very different style from what i've created ever before it's mixing that sort of latin afro style of music with tamil hip hop um so it's a trend i think and it's something i think people haven't really even tapped into at all um and that's all the that's all this album was about it's about creating a unique sound for people when someone listens to my album i want them to think oh wow this is interesting i never thought that could be done before and so i wanted to create something new and so basically by integrating these genres and languages that people never thought could blend together I'm sort of creating this unique music musical genre and taste that I think will become a trend in the future. Yeah, for sure, and I really hope that it does take off and become more of a commonplace thing to do. Obviously, you've talked about how the artists featured on this project you're obviously a big fan of. Apart from them, who would you say your main influences are in general? Yeah, for sure. Um so there's a lot. Um I will say my first and like there's two artists that I'm influenced by every day. Um the first being Yonsen and the second being Sean Vincent de Paul. Um these two artists are Tamil artists just like myself recently signed on to the Maja label which is one of the biggest labels that's representing Tamil independent artists around the world. When I first started making music or even wanted to make Tamil music it really came because I would listen to their music and I would think wow they're doing something so different. Um I remember when I first saw their video they did something called a mridangam rap freestyle. And so mridangam is a Tamil instrument um it's kind of like a like a drum think of a tabla where you kind of like you're kind of hitting it back and forth and it kind of creates this unique drum pattern 
Um, and I saw Janssen playing that, and then I saw Sean Vincent doing a freestyle rap on it. And I was like, oh my God, like, how did they come up with that? And I thought it sounded so great that that's when I sort of had a realization that they're onto something that people haven't realized yet. They're onto figuring out how to blend these two cultures, and they're sort of creating a new trend. They're creating something different. And so to this day, those two artists are the two artists I look up to when I'm thinking about how can I branch out from just being that typical Tamil artist to being someone that's going to change the way the music, change the way the music industry is even shaped in terms of what Tamil music actually looks like and what modern Tamil music looks like. Um, so I say those two artists are very influential for me in terms of the music that I make. Um, and outside of those two artists, there's many artists I sort of look to and I'm thinking, you know, like they're, they're just totally what I want to become, where I want to see myself. Um, one of my cousins, Nilani, um, she makes music as well. And she built a following on her Instagram and she's been working super hard. And I've closely seen how she started from the beginning all the way to now. And you can see how much hard work they're putting to get to where they want to be. And so for me, that's what I want to do, right? I want to put that hard work in because I know that nothing rewarding comes unless you actually put the effort into it. And that's how my life has always guided me. My philosophy is always give it 110%. And if you can work harder than other people do, then you'll be, you'll get to where you want to be faster than everyone else. Looking um, towards the end of the interview, I just wanted to ask, obviously you're focusing on this new project at the moment, um, but what have you got planned for the future? Anything or are you just um, living in the now? Yeah, good question. Um, I think right now, so this album was actually a year in the making, um, started it maybe last last February, March, um, and it took a long time to bring it to where it was. Um, because a lot of just re-recording and recording again until I could get to how I wanted it to sound. So I will say like, definitely like, um, I don't want to release something like at this moment or like maybe in the next month or two, just because, you know, I want people to listen to Arivu. I want Arivu to be the priority just because of how long it took to get to where it is right now. Um, that being said though, I, one of the things I didn't notice from Arivu is that Arivu helped put me sort of like more, it integrated me more with the Tamil independent music scene. So, you know, I'm seeing artists that are reaching out to me now and they're like, you know, like, yo, we should do music together. Let's, you know, let's make something. And that's what, that's what makes me happy because that's what the whole point of Ariva was. It was to get into the, involved in the music scene. So I wouldn't be surprised if in the next year I'm dropping a lot more music with different artists because I know a lot of artists that I'm interested in collaborating with and a lot of artists that want to collaborate with me as well. And so I'm definitely going to make use of that and try to work with some different artists to put some stuff up in the next year. Nice. Well, yeah, definitely look forward to that as well. Um, for people that want to keep up to date with you or want to check out your stuff that might not have already, where's the best place to find you on socials? Yeah, yeah. So I would say I'm pretty active on Instagram. So it's just my name, Praveen Ganendran. Um, if you search it up, you'll find it. Um, I'm public profile. Uh, that's where I post all my music updates. So a lot of Ariva updates um, when even pre-released, when artists were reviewing it. Um, and post-release when I'm posting updates about how it's performing um, and sort of the insights into the album. That's where you can follow me and sort of show support there. Um, I'm also on TikTok um, where, you know, I'm going to post more videos in the near future um, to sort of showcase my music a little bit more. Um, but yeah, definitely follow me on Instagram if you're interested. I'm definitely happy to sort of build a new community around my music and really happy to connect with all of you. If you're just tuning in, welcome. This is Mango Masala, the South Asian show. My name's Gerns. I'm joined by Halima. What's up, guys? How's everyone? It's been a while, Halima. Where have it you been? You've been, been slacking. Where have, where have I been? Well, tell us, where have you been? I don't know. I've, I've just been off. I've just been busy living life. 
Yeah, I've just been busy, but not, I'm back now. Not catching flights because no, have you got your passport no. yet? Well, I did put the application in eventually, and I have booked another holiday. And they do say don't book holidays before you get your passport. So mm. um, it's the month of Ramadan. Miracles can happen. <laughs> That's Insha- the spirit. Inshallah, my um, passport does get here before my holiday. Otherwise, I'm screwed. Well, when is the holiday? Oh, oh, that one May June, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, surely, surely. Yeah, sh- you would think. <laughs> no, because it says right. It says allow ten weeks, but then it says see how long. So there's six weeks left. I did it a week ago. So I did it with seven weeks. They say allow ten weeks, but then when you see the processing times, it's five weeks. That on average processing times is five weeks. And my cousin recently got his in two weeks. And I learned my lesson because when I lost my passport in Copenhagen, they said give two days for the emergency one. So I b- paid money to book a new flight, and it came in two hours. That is very true because you cancelled your own. What's it called? Didn't you? Exactly. And then you could have gone. Exactly. Yeah, fair. Living life so, on the edge. Why like not? Like I said, God willing, God willing. <laughs> God knows I deserve this holiday anyway. So speaking of um, living life on the edge, um, I know it's where's, this, um, where's yeah. this one going? I know it's um, Ramadan and all that. Also, yeah. Ramadan Mubarak. Thank to you. You and all that celebrating. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of gambling. <laughs> all right, go on. Weather bingo. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. We were discussing in the chat because you know we're very organised. We talk about beforehand like, oh, we should do this, we should do that. Yes. We were discussing as to what we should have like because we talk about like quite a lot of serious stuff, mm-hmm. and we were like, oh, we should talk about something a bit more fun. And then um, Simran said the weather, which I think was referring to the very fact that characteristically British. Yeah, I know. Which obviously is a bit like we we talk about the weather a lot, and I feel like it can get quite dead. So I was like, you know what? we should make a game out of this so weather bingo right yeah so it's beginning of april now we are going to give three predictions each okay and whoever gets the most by the end of april will yeah what's the prize the uh, i don't know you tell me what's the mangum sala budget Glory, glory, that's the prize. Pal, you get the glory the of winning. And also, but that's enough for me. I love glory. Also, end of April, um, be just before Eid anyway. So we got the celebration. celebration. Of that. Yeah, it will be like Eid Mubarak. Eid Mubarak. No, I'm celebrating my win yeah. on weather bingo. Well then, we've got. I spoke to Simran, whose Wi-Fi is broken, so she's busy in the library working away as master students do. So I asked her for her um, weather predictions before this, and she said, "Let me just find it." So, is this a weather prediction for April. a date or a, a so period? Or? It's during April, but you've got to be specific because I asked Simran, and first of all, she was like, "Oh, um, I say that it's going to." Um, rain or that it's gonna rain it's gonna snow and i was like well you can't just say that you have to be a bit more specific (laughs) definitely it will rain exactly so her predictions are two days of 10 out of 10 peng sun in april um rain throughout the course of this coming week mostly and snow. Right, she's just checked the weather forecast <laughs> and for that snow one. in the coming week early on. Right, I'm, I'm, realizing, I'm realizing right now just that been yeah, even hoodwinked yeah. She's taking me for a mug. I know she actually writes Simran. We'll have a little bit of a chat later. She's gonna have to redo it. She's doing a weather girl on on um, on this game. 
Right. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I did see a headline that says there's going to be an April heat wave. I saw that too. Having said that, though, <laughs> having said that, though, they do love to declare a heat wave that never comes. Mm. Like plenty of times every single September. What do they call it? Indian summer. Yeah. Every single September. UK set for Indian summer, as in like a heat wave, and it never happens. No, my, you sound my, a bit bitter at that that because it's your course. birthday, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah, of course. I I predict there will be one day where the weather gets to twenty eight degrees. One day, <clears throat> at least one day, as in I, like it will hit twenty eight degrees. Okay, I'll give you a half one if there's more than two days that hit twenty eight degrees, though. No, it might be more than one day. So are you saying that, that there's definitely going to be more than one day where it hits 28 degrees? Oh, but then it might just be, it might be one day, but it might be more than one day. This is risky. This is very, like, this is riveting. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, what, what, <laughs> like, what, so I have to tell you that specifically? Well, yeah, because otherwise it can be so vague, like Simran, which is like, oh, it's going to rain, it's going to snow. Well. No, it will be like, it will be like. You have to decide. If you're saying this 28 degrees thing, is it more than one day or is it just one day? That's why I'm saying you have to be. <sighs> Oh my god, the stakes are really high, guys. They are There's really actually, high. actually a lot of Especially pressure. Especially considering the prize is zilch. Oh my <laughs> god. No, but you know what I'm like? I, I yeah, love to yeah. win and I hate to lose. Um, oh, I'm panicking. Um, <laughs> it will be like a few days of really hot weather. Right, so surely more than one day 28 degrees oh, right, fine. Right. No, but it might just be 28 degrees on one day and the next day it might be like 26. Well, this is this is why you need to be specific. Oh no, what Carlos? I don't know. <laughs> what shall I say? What would I you say? If told you, you I'll me? give you a half point if there is one day that is or, like or twenty. Right, fine, yeah. right, fine, fine, so you're fine. saying more than. More, All right. Yeah. Fine. More than one day, twenty-eight degrees. Um, over two. All right. To be honest, like I feel like maybe three predictions is a bit. Yeah, like, I want one. I think want we should do one because then, because then, like, what if one person gets one right and two wrong, or two That's right and true. one wrong? It's hard I'll, to. I'll check with Simon later as to what her chosen one is. Well, definitely not her last two. Mm. My prediction is that. Um, what am I going to say? My prediction is that there's going to be less rainfall this month than last month. See, I would see, I would give a specific in terms of rainfall, but I don't actually know what the rainfall is. All right, fine, fine. Yeah. You can. Have if that if you one. want, I'll look up March rainfall and then say oh, <laughs> less than like this, because the reason right, I'm saying right. that is because I've been wedding planning. Oh, exciting! Yeah, and when you look into the months, you know, like, have you ever? What's a good? Yeah, you tell us. What's a yeah. good? Give the people <laughs> yeah, some yeah. tips. What's a good month to get married? So, for those that have seen the Disney classic nine. 1940s film Bambi. There is a song. Yeah, yeah. And you wouldn't have seen it. There is a song in it called April Showers, right? Right. It's like drip, drip, drip. April Showers. It's the same. It's the same as well. Look it up. Right. April is actually the driest month. No way. Yeah. So that's why originally we were like, let's go for April. What, what you can't what like, the literally, heck? Literally. you've done research that's not fair well if you want you can do research and come back to me but oh, you can't gosh. you can't look at the weather like Simran clearly has yeah no true 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 <sighs> oh interesting so april is that when you get married originally but now the provisional date is beginning of june so 
how come? Uh, just like availability and mm. also like giving us a bit more time to plan it. Not this yeah. June. Next like, June, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, at least you will be better guarantee that there'll be weather in June than in April. <laughs> You would say touch touch wood, (laughs) touch wood, like really. I don't know. You you never know. You're always taking a chance, aren't you? True in this country, definitely. Yeah, always are. But now that we're done with um, lots of silly stuff, let's go on to the more serious stuff. Now I know that you've been wanting to talk about this for some time now. Yeah. Um, and it relates. I think you've mentioned it in brief before, but we haven't really like gone into it. And it's this idea of. Um, South Asian people being it was a medical phenomena. Mm, be like, and it's really, it's really interesting as well, like evolution and that sort of thing. Let me try and get the um, stats up. Yeah. So while you're doing that, um, for the listeners out there, <coughs> the this idea is that South Asian people, so like our generation of South Asian people, especially, are genetically predisposed mm-hmm. to. Um, actually put on more weight um, and other various um, health conditions which include storing more fat etc six times likely sorry to interrupt you but while you're on that we are six times more likely to to develop type 2 diabetes than Europeans Mm. and they're saying that they think the reason for this rather than just saying oh it's genetics they're saying that they think they're like a contributor towards this at least is the fact that a lot of south asian people if you go back in time were subject to famine as a result of mm-hmm. colonialism it's not even that much back in time it's literally like our grandparents's mm-hmm. generation um, I, I mean that's the thing that i don't get because i thought that like genetically predisposed stuff i thought that had i because if you think about like evolution and that Mm -mm. like that's like that took ages right so how come with something like this it's such like a quick turnaround you know what i mean like in terms of like if like Mm -hmm. like you're saying it's not that far it's not that far in the history is it it's like Uh, a few generations actually well i that's the end of that history but that entire Mm. history spans like hundreds of years it does span yeah it's literally like 400 years before so it wouldn't have just been from the last famine it would have been from the first famine i guess which was yeah. was hundreds of years ago um but it is it's it, and also like it's funny like when this came out because um there was a there was one time when i got um <clears throat> quite inebriated and inebriated um, interested <laughs> ramadan and <laughs> And um, and um, I went on this whole massive rant about how like colonial violence can still be read on like my body, right? And I had a conversation with my cousin about it. And then another time, one of my other cousins recently went to the doctor, and the doctor said to her that her body stores fat as though she's stuck on a desert island. Which that is, is to say it's that, mad like to as think if to that. say that she's in like perpetual threat of starvation yeah. basically like that is that is what they said to her so like when you hear things like this it totally makes sense like it really really does mm. make sense um and it's not just like this the the the, the overweight the obesity the diabetes that that stuff is one thing but then there's you know like south asian women for example have like the highest rates of anemia I didn't know that. Uh, One of the highest rates of vitamin D deficiencies, like those two are really, really common in like South Asian women. And if you deep it, it's kind of like, we're not supposed to be here. 
Yeah, I was going to say that. Why have we got vitamin D deficiency when... Because we don't get no sunlight. Oh, no, what? I meant women here. Oh, okay, in, in, in okay, this, okay, okay got you, got you, yeah, yeah. Because um, we don't get no sunlight. Mm. We literally don't get no sunlight. Our bodies were not, like, our bodies were not meant to be in this climate. I say it all the time. If you, if, look at me, I'm not supposed to look, I'm not supposed to be this pale. I'm not supposed to look like this. This is me in the colonizer, colonizer's land, but I just think it's it's crazy. So like they've they this this post if you go on like AJ Plus, um, mm. you'll find the post and it's really interesting. And then it's the doctor who like theorized this, speaking about it. But he says the Indian subcontinent faces many as thirty one serious famines under British rule, and tens of millions of people like during the course of those famines have starved. So like it totally does make sense. Like it's 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 like bodily trauma, right? Like it's it's your it's you've and and that's what you call like generational trauma as well it's like your body has literally inherited um um this adaptation which is famine like to adapt to famine mm. it's, it's 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 insane like there's not really much to say about it but i just wanted to make it known no and like it, it's 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 crazy like colonial violence and that's why when people talk about things like oh well racism doesn't exist anymore because empire has ended but like the the actual continuities of empire are still very much here and are still very much affecting people like if you think about like if you think about me as an individual in in the uk someone might, might look at me as like a self-contained individual and be like well what's she how has empire affected her in any way whatsoever yeah when you're born at the end of the 1990s you know like I mean? are you born in the uk blah mm-hmm. blah blah like but it is still so much exactly like, exactly yeah. like it's it is it is crazy very very insane <sighs> Yeah, well, really, it, I mean, obviously, it's um, sad, but it's still, it's quite interesting. It's fascinating, yeah. the way that the body can, add, like, the, the like the um, trauma can be read on the body, like, right? Like, and, and, and it's also, like, interesting to think about how these political structures translate into, like... Um, have a very visceral visceral translation right how mm. they translate into like medicine how, how something that was essentially a, a political structure the empire actually can be then translated into a medical phenomena mm. and it just goes to show like how all-encompassing something like empire and colonial canal <laughs> sorry guys i haven't eaten i'm fasting my brains a bit colonialism is like it really really does seep into like literally every facet of life mm, definitely there we go but yeah being definitely something to look more into outside of this I, I, I also like i'm really keen to see how this research unfolds because it's kind of like um breaking ground at the minute this research yeah like, because i think you said it first a few months ago and then obviously it's i read a yeah. little bit about it it was like china i think someone in china had done um a, a study on it mm. um and then like the, the over the past few months i've been hearing a little bit more about it and here and there but i feel like if we can like it, the, the more this this they unpack this theory like i feel like it will help a lot of south asians understand themselves understand their bodies not just in terms of like just the obesity and the diabetes thing but just even acknowledging scientifically proving the fact that colonial violence and trauma can still be read read on the on the descendants of those who lived under empire and colonialism mm-hmm. i think that would change a lot of things that will change a lot of things all of a sudden we'll then be looking at ourselves differently and actually being able to contextualize a lot of certain medical things that south asian people face you know yeah for sure i 
think I'm going to play a bit of music, but before we come to that, just wanted to talk about something else that's been in the news recently. Oh, God. <laughs> so I think considering the way the news has been um, distributed, um, you probably will have forgotten with all the stuff given, yeah. going on with Russia and Ukraine at the moment. Um, yeah. But before that, the biggest thing in the news um, was outrage over um, Downing Street allegedly <laughs> having a load of parties um, during lockdown from 2020 through to 2021. Allegedly, I, I don't even know. Like, I'm I'm just like I don't want Boris to shut Mango Masala down. You it know can't I mean? be allegedly now. They've been fined. That is very true. It can't <laughs> be allegedly now. They've been fined. They're which guilty yet, yet, as exactly, charged. Yeah. So clearly there's been something going on, right? Exactly. So yeah, so the point is there was a whole Sue Gray report thing kind of like got forgotten about but I su- very subtly this week I saw it coming into the news uh-huh. that the fines had been issued and I think more recently they've said that the fines are up to I think there's 20 <laughs> fines but they're up to 50 quid, right? <gasps> up to 50 quid! But what's the way, hang on what's the public penalty? 10k £10,000 for the same offence for the public and for the MPs the MPs £50 do do we actually know why like it's 50 let's take a guess no no let's take an educated guess I mean obviously what's the official line God knows yeah exactly what's like like, you have to have some kind of because at this point are they even bothering with with official lines like are they even bothering do they even care how it comes across or what it looks like that is what when I saw it I was just a bit like I'm not not even surprised yeah I'm not even just like and yet like we always say it's a gesture that's what it is it's not a fine it's a gesture 50 pounds is not even touching them I would say it's a slap on the hand but it's not even a slap on the hand it's not even a slap on the hand yeah, literally. For those who can't see, just touch. Yeah, it's it's nothing. It's nothing but a gesture. A fine is supposed to like have some kind of consequence to you. I think the thing to also note here is that a lot of people find fault with fines as punishment because they immediately yeah. people who are more richer it doesn't mean Does anything touch, to them, them yet here where, it at, where we're at, here where it actually matters yeah. because here is where they mon- have money, money yeah and money would actually be um mm-hmm. a good way 50 to, pounds yeah. to boris johnson he probably uses that to wash his backside that's like one delivery order like yeah. for, for him and his wife yeah that, that's it yeah like, literally <laughs> oh no tuesday night dinner yeah exactly it's it's literally it's it's actually insane like it's not they made such a song and dance they literally had police officers patrolling the streets on the lookout for people having like parties and fines were given fines mm. were really truly given and now these men who have the money, who are even being paid by taxpayer, fifty pounds. Yeah, just let that sit with you guys. And you know what? It's actually it's, it's depressing. Do you know why? Because it's kind of like people people had all of this outrage because you know people need they, they, they kept making the point that oh well they need to be held to account they need to be held to account and the, the, there was a whole Sue Gray report on for the end of holding these people to account but but what is what is the accountability at 50 pounds 50 pounds and yet um, it's not that far away now we've got two years left until the next election at, at most but 
Um, will we see any change in the way that people view this government? That's not me saying that you should vote in any way in particular. However, I wouldn't be surprised if we came around to this and all this was conveniently forgotten about. No, because it's just scandal after scandal after scandal. Yeah. Like, you really can't keep up. Like, you literally prefaced yes, it. it. You are quite numb to it now, aren't you? Of course. Like, of course. Like, and yeah. that's, that's why they're not even... That's why they're so brazen with it. That's why they're so brazen to give a £50 fine. And I've seen the news stories, but I've not seen anything in terms of, like, what their reasoning is, what their excuse is. Mm. And I really would not be surprised if they haven't given one, if they haven't come out to give an official line about why this is the case. <sighs> Anyway, let's play a bit of music to lighten up the mood. Yeah. Um, got Manchester artist, no, Manchester artist Meek's latest one. Um, it's called Air Maxes. Now, Meek's, like, I love this track, but the um, grammatical genius inside of me, you did <laughs> Air Maxes wrong, you put an apostrophe in it. It and should it's be an not- E. It should be an E. So when I'm gonna post this on Manga Masala, I'm not gonna put the apostrophe, but please like forgive me because the Air Maxes don't own anything, okay? No, they like, don't. But at the same it's time it is a good track. Like, yeah. We forgive you. <laughs> Here we go, Meeks, Air Maxes. We have a very special guest with us. Jay, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, yeah. Nice to meet you. Obviously, I've had you on socials for like I think like a month now, mm-hmm. so it's nice to meet you in person. Um, yeah, I'm, again, I'm sorry you came before. You had to walk up the stairs and <laughs> go back down again. But yeah, four flights of stairs really did me in, to be honest. For those who don't know, Pi Studio, we have four flights of stairs yeah. that you need to get I, up to, to reach the promised land that <laughs> is Pi Studio. Any, anyone who knows Pi knows that. I mean, it's literally just like mm-hmm. it's what's most famous for. Mm-hmm. But yeah, tell us a little bit about you, um, what you're about, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I consider myself a punk poet. Mm-hmm. So I'm poet from Yorkshire yeah and I'm in Manchester for university now mm-hmm. um, but I've been performing poetry for quite a while so um, I won my first slam last year oh, congrats thank you and a poetry competition and yeah it's kind of been picking up in the past couple of years which mm-hmm. has been quite exciting um, so yeah I was part of a collective in Hull called No Larkin About because none of us liked Philip Larkin okay <laughs> And, uh, um, yeah, so we performed in a few festivals, BBC's Contain Strong Language, Freedom Festival, um, just a few about Mm -hmm. in Hull. And then we all kind of went our separate ways when we went to uni. I still keep in touch with some of them, Mm -hmm. but, like, um, now I'm more in, like, the Manchester poetry scene. So I go to quite a few open mics, Mm -hmm. um, a few young identity workshops and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Interesting. Well, okay, so for those of our listeners who don't know, can you tell us what punk is and specifically what punk poetry is? Hmm, right, punk is different to everyone. For me, it's just like living your truth and kind of... Wait, are we allowed to swear on this radio? No, I, sh- I should have said that. Okay, don't okay. Don't okay. Okay. okay, yeah. So, yeah, it's just kind of saying screw you okay. to yeah. everyone who tries yeah. to put you into a box or <laughs> try and, like, define you. Like, yeah. for me, punk has always been total freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, so, and with punk poetry, there's it's kind of a similar to, like, punk music, I guess. It's mm-hmm. a bit faster-paced. There's a lot of rhythm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be, like, overly, you know, like, sophisticated. It's, mm-hmm. like, accessible. Okay, so, nice. if you think, like, John Cooper Clark poetry, mm-hmm. lots of rhyme, lots of rhythm, mm-hmm. a bit of humor in there as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Usually punk poetry has a bit of wit to okay. it. It's <laughs> shaped to the rest of the genre of poetry. <laughs> We're really witty. Okay, how, how did you get into that then? Well, I've always been into punk. Since okay. I was like 15, I got into The Clash, and yeah. from there, um, yeah, I just kind of got obsessed with punk mm-hmm. as a genre. Um, I think especially as like a South Asian, like growing up in a predominantly white city, mm. like punk was kind of like, I don't know, it was sort <laughs> of... I felt seen and I felt heard when I listened to like punk music, that kind of anger um, and defiance as well. Mm -hmm. I I really resonated with that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, then coming across like bands like X-Ray Specs, like these really kind of cool underground kind of bands Mm -hmm. in which like women of color were at the forefront. That kind of like blew my mind a bit. And then I came across this band called um, Alien Culture, which was like mm-hmm. an all South Asian, apart from one token white guy, and right. um, like punk band mm-hmm. from like the seventies. And I was like, "You hear about the Sex Pistols? You hear about the Clash? Oh, that's you hear what about I was the just about to say. Literally, what I think about when I hear yeah. punk. Like, yeah. there's so many like punk bands that have just kind of, you know." Um, I don't know, like, history is just forgotten about, in a sense. Yeah, of course. Well, so, I mean, purposely erased, right? Yeah, think, exactly. Punk has been a, a very whitewashed genre, yeah, and the reason I'm so interested in it is because mm-hmm. it's not, like, it's, yeah. like, punk history is, like, black and brown at its yeah. roots, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's, like, a band called Death in America mm-hmm. that essentially started off the punk scene and right. um, there's a documentary on them on YouTube actually they're, they're really amazing um, yeah I've just been fascinated by punk for so that's so really, long yeah that's really interesting though that you say that because when people I think people who aren't into punk when they think of punk they do think of like sex pistols white yeah. bands yeah. like yeah. white culture white people doing white music mm. and to say that actually the thing that got you into punk was that it helped you express yourself as a South Asian in a white area yeah. is actually really I think would make a lot of people question what they know and think about punk mm. but just a little bit more on that then how do you think like your racial ethnic cultural identity helped you kind of get into punk and how punk then maybe helped you accept your identity a bit or I mean a lot of punk is just being angry at the government and establishments I think and sounds like my kind of <laughs> yeah. 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 so like next week it'll be a punk <laughs> I actually have like a punk of colours like okay, playlist okay. which is just like POC punk bands but yeah like I've just been really fascinated by it and I've been really fortunate to interview punk artists mm-hmm. like Danny Denial like upcoming um, punk artists from Seattle I believe and mm-hmm. um yeah, it's really cool just to see how many like South Asian punks there actually are. So, so interesting because like I like someone who's not in that scene just 
I would not have the foggiest mm. about mm. what's out there. Yeah, so um, only like last week, week before, I went to this event in London called Weirdo. So mm. it was like we, it's, it's like a it's a zine, it's a zine. So it was like mm. the two year anniversary right. of it, um, and that just celebrates like South Asians and like alternative subcultures. So there mm. were like goths and punks, and like mm. the whole room was just filled with like brown alternative looking kids, mm. and it was just it was so cool to see mm. so many mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. that look like me kind of in one space yeah. um yeah and i led like a panel at that event so um i spoke to other south asians in like the music industry like nadia javid mm-hmm. um who's in the who was in the tuts now she's doing a lot of solo stuff yeah. um but yeah it was really cool seeing there was like a gallery so people sent in their photos and seeing like all these pictures of like South Asians like mm-hmm. looking super like gothed up which was mm. really cool so yeah that, there's definitely fun. spaces but I think um, the representation yeah. of those spaces is mainly London centric mm-hmm. so I would like to yeah I would like to bring like a POC punk festival up north there is Decolonize Fest, but again, that's in London, so, yeah. That's why, like, you know, when you said Yorkshire, I was like, oh, okay, so, like, not for our local, what I meant to say was like, all right, okay, Northern girls, because yeah. usually when we get people who have these kind of, like, very, very strong interests and they're very kind of active in their field, a lot of the times they're Southerners or, like, they're... Yeah, they've moved They've to moved the, here, like, yeah. and it is because, like being in London lends itself to being active in, in your areas of interest because everything's in London and not much is in Manchester and to be honest that's part of like what our brand identity as Mango Masala like concertedly focuses on is, is kind of like n- priding ourselves on like northern talent mm. um, <clears throat> so I, I do really really do resonate with what you were saying there but um, just mm-hmm. kind of going back to what you were saying about like being South Asian and and and, and kind of being in punk um <clears throat> when you think of obviously like south asian culture sometimes it can be quite monolithic in it like oh think, yeah definitely you think like or, or when you think of like british south asians like reclaiming their cultural identity maybe you think of me like you know with junka earrings and like a kurta like <laughs> right now it's kind of like the more stereotypical rendition um <clears throat> how did you find kind of stepping into yourself as a south asian woman with punk Mm-hmm. In in a way that's not that people don't associate South Asian culture with or, or person in yeah. general. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, my bad. Yeah. Um. So, how do I explain this? I mean, like, I think just being your true self, mm-hmm. like, especially with like poetry. Like, I um, I don't f- like stray away from making South Asian specific references okay. or using like a bit of my mother tongue in some of my poetry and stuff like which is what you don't uh, Canada oh okay cool so um, yeah my parents are from like Karnataka mm-hmm. uh, South India mm-hmm. um, but yeah like I don't know like just being yourself just taking up space in those kind of yeah. predominantly white spaces especially mm-hmm. in the UK because um, <clears throat> like I there are like bands and musicians out there who are South Asian who are like in alternative scenes but obviously they're, they're not getting as much mm. like recognition for their work yeah well I mean actually you know what I think to be honest the point of the question is that maybe you it doesn't have to be such a concerted mm. um, kind of thing to be a South Asian person in this space because 
you don't have to think so much you don't have to mold so much you don't have to like yeah like the whole point of the space is just, just be, be yourself yeah, and be yeah. accepted no, so um, yeah so obviously we talked a bit about um, your um, fascination with punk and being a part of that um, you're doing your poetry um, you said obviously that you're on the um, same course as Amna and mm. all of that group and um, when we um, had Amna and Cole <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's put us on say yeah, now yeah, yeah. say now too yeah <laughs> but um, I know when Amna was on she was talking a lot about um, how and especially because you say you're on like the same course mm. right mm. about how she has been a bit sort of um, it's not really met her expectations in a sense in terms of um, diversity, diversity of content, of content um, th- and not only in terms of race as well but also in terms of um, the people I think on the course as well she said she was a bit disappointed to find that there weren't necessarily it wasn't like a Manchester sort of vibe to it. Is have you found a similar sort of thing? Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, a lot of people that I met in first year, they all went to private schools. Yeah. They all. I was day. right. So I was in Oak House, which was like the cheapest UOM accommodation that mm-hmm. they could offer. Okay. Like it my room looked like a prison cell right you know what I've actually had rumours yeah, that the architect did was. design prison, like prisons so <laughs> if you're a student you're basically uh, the same thing so. yeah um, and like no shade to any of my flatmates but a lot of them did go to private schools um, oh, so cosplaying and like. they were all like from London as well yeah. like most of them were from London so it did feel quite um kind of alienating kind of shocking I didn't mm. expect that I thought because it's Manchester there's going to be loads of northern people but um, yeah I was kind of surprised about how there's so many it's like they all know each other as well it's really crazy yeah. like it was so because they're all from like down south um, and a lot of them from the same private yeah. yes a lot of them went to the same private school so it was really kind of strange to like meet flatmates and strangers mm. for the first time and they all just somehow knew each other mm. uh, by a friend's friend or whatever yeah. um, that's not all of them and they were all lovely people but it was just like strange to me yeah, um, yeah I mean but having said that though you have obviously been saying you've kind of made the transition you were very whole based mm. and now you're kind of more involved with the Manchester poetry scene so you have found your kind of your own space in oh it. yeah yeah um, definitely so what has that transition been like for you so to speak a little bit about um, the Manchester poetry scene and what would you say is kind of kind of characteristic about that and mm-hmm. how do you find yourself fitting into that especially moving from a different scene yeah so I've noticed the Manchester poetry scene is more like a rap scene it's kind oh, of okay. like it's more like rhythmic I'll be great at that it's, it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah like I've met a lot of like rappers at these kind of poetry events mm-hmm. um yeah so one of my friends kai he kind of started off out as a rapper and mm-hmm. he goes to mmu and like green guy kai. yeah green yeah. guy kai yeah um yeah and we kind of formed like a uni slam team and we went to oh, uni slam and stuff oh, yeah, how, how was that last week but yeah it was all right it was like really interesting just to see like the quality of work from all around the country yeah. Um, you could tell like like we kind of got together like last minute like we literally had a week of like some of the like I met Cameron like 
on the day of our rehearsal so he was a, another one of my like slam members so um we were kind of like we were rushed into it basically mm. um and you could tell when we went to the event that a lot of these other teams were so prepared. well prepared yeah. they were polished every single one of their performances were like insanely mm -hmm, good mm -hmm. um yeah but i mean it's just you learn from it you meet lots of new people like i met like i don't know 30 40 amazing poets and built like a more like a wider mm -hmm. poetry network from that so um yeah it was a great experience and i'm kind of glad we got knocked, knocked out early to be honest mm -hmm. um, yeah we just yeah we just sat back and relaxed other teams yeah. were like sweating it for the finals and it was intense for watching them but yeah it was amazing just to sit back and hear like other people's work yeah i always say that's really interesting about like the poetry scene especially like in manchester for example because when you think of like northern creativity or just just the creative industry in general like you think mostly music yeah. right? and i think us as a platform we who have an eye out all the time for different kinds of creatives we often end up just interacting mostly with with music artists because that is kind of more um of what's known but yeah. then you kind of sit down with a poet and you realize oh my god there's this whole kind of world out there literally on your doorstep mm. right um so that I find personally really fascinating and like really cool as well actually yeah definitely like I recommend everyone needs to go to at least one like poetry open mic night in their life yeah. because like the stories that you hear yeah. and like the people that you meet at these poetry open mics they are so interesting mm -hmm. like people that go to poetry open mics just mm -hmm. have insane stories to tell yeah. um yeah like I've met like especially when I was back in Hall, like I befriended people of like all ages, like seventy-year-olds. So yeah, well, it is. Like it's really, it's really like eye-opening, I guess, mm -hmm. to hear because going up on stage and sharing your poetry mm -hmm. is a very vulnerable thing to do. Yeah, so yeah, it takes a special kind of person, I think, to go up and do that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so definitely recommend checking out Spoken Word Nights. I also like nights. that it makes it accessible because when you think of poetry or when you learn poetry in school, you literally learn dead white men, yeah. right? Like, or dead, like just War European poets. poetry. Yeah. Exactly, you know? The amount of times we did, like, Wilfred Owen, you know, <laughs> like Shakespeare, them mm. and 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 it and you forget that that's not what poetry has to be. And actually, like <clears throat> anyone who has something to say can be a poet. Anyone mm. who has something to say can can write poetry. And you don't need to be intimidated by it because you don't relate to one Wilfred Owen poem. Yeah, you know, like um, so. I re I do. I really, really like <clears throat> find it great that these spaces in Manchester are champion mm. any kinds of people from all walks of life to go out and just tell their story. They probably use this um, as an opportunity to also um, broadcast and do you know about this um, what's it called what's your story event tomorrow? Yeah I was actually yeah. meant to be performing at that but I double booked so oh, <laughs> yeah I'm yeah. going back home to Hull for that week but um, yeah yeah it's spoken word event isn't it? Uh, yeah yeah so um, I think it's um, tomorrow starting at three academy three university of manchester students union so anyone listening who's interested in that sort of thing definitely go check that out mm -hmm. uh, i know i'm um, also speaking to you um, beforehand you said you wanted to talk a bit about teaching so what what side was that for um well yeah i mean 
I really enjoy teaching. Um, oh, so you are you are yeah, the teacher? Yeah, I teach uh, English mainly, okay, um, and wow. I teach poetry online. I've done it in schools for like a full year. Um, I work with the Poetry Society now, mm-hmm. so I go into primary schools around the country and I deliver like a full day's workshop with them, um, and that's like so much fun. Like I really really enjoy working with mm-hmm. young ch- younger children. Um, yeah, and I think like. I would have loved that as a kid, having mm-hmm. like someone who looks like me come in and deliver like a creative subject. Because mm-hmm. obviously, in South Asian communities, there is this kind of preconception that you go on to be like a doctor mm-hmm. or, or an engineer or something. Mm-hmm. And then to see a brown poet come in and see other kids that look like me yeah. and be able to like teach them this thing yeah. that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like to germinate that little seed of like yeah, interest exactly. in them as well because otherwise they might not have been exposed to it in the exact same way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just it's nice to show um younger brown kids that it's possible. Yeah. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to just follow mm-hmm. like a conventional kind of route. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And yeah. also, it's nice to just be there as well, like for you. So I, I also like did a lot of like tutoring, a lot of um, like in the community, like professionally in schools as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always one thing, especially when I was doing like cum- like tutoring for the community or like a, a, from like a community center, <clears throat> I found like there's a certain sense of like responsibility mm. because a lot of these, um, like obviously it depends where you, where you, where you're teaching in what area. But where I was teaching was like a really impoverished like area. Yeah. And these schools don't get the because I also went to a school like that in, in one of those areas. Schools do not get the same kind of funding. They don't. They don't get. They don't have the funding to ha- to get someone in mm. to do a fun creative workshop, you know. Like they barely have the funding to give them <laughs> pens and books and things like that, you know. Mm. Um, so I so when you when you are teaching it, I don't know for you, but I always always felt like a personal sense of responsibility to kind of like step up for these kids yeah. and be able to like. G- mitigate where I know like local councils and the government at large were failing them mm. um, so no I do I, I, I do relate to that and it is very very important especially to do something that's creative and not just like traditionally academic yeah right yeah another part of it is I I don't dress like a typical teacher when I go into schools mm. I dress like how I would dress like punk kind mm-hmm. of like crazy red hair and I've had so many kids compliment me on my hair like mm. they're like oh this that's my favorite color oh. and it's just like it feels so heartwarming because I went to like Catholic school oh, is it? it was okay. it was it was a public school but it was still a Catholic school yeah. it was very strict um and um yeah like it was like you can't have hair this color you can't wear any makeup you can't do this you can't do that Mm. it was so many restrictions on someone's appearance like that was like the most important thing Mm -hmm. um well that's what schools do they just overly govern don't mm. they like they govern uh, how children behave how children think and act and all of those things but I think you forget like how much of a blank canvas children actually are and how much you need to like actually nurture and like honour and protect and safeguard that um, innate expression of self right yeah does tend to get squashed yeah that's kind of like whenever i go in i wear something a bit wacky just to show them like yeah just yeah exactly yeah i don't really i don't really understand what the point is of making people do stuff that is so like uncomfortable like surely if you're in a place of learning the best way to be is to sort of feel comfortable not necessarily to the point that you're going to sleep Mm. but a sense of that you actually 
like are happy, ready to yeah. lay are happy and ready and willing to actually learn and I don't understand how having your hair a certain colour or wearing a certain something or having something that a certain way it's is going to change so that silly. Like, so, you know I understand uniforms because that kind of mitigates yeah. um, like clothes Pe- people compare yeah. them. I understand like basic just clothes uniform mm. but then like earrings hair Things it like just that. strips it's kids so of their individuality. It's really, it's really, really silly. I, I think in terms of uniform as well, like, may, may fair enough a uniform, but then, like, let people wear it how they want to wear yeah, it. Yeah, or, like, yeah. have different options available, yeah, of course, sort of, of thing. Course. Mm. Of uh, course, but yeah. it's just, it, I mean, it's it starts early, isn't it? Like, the, the like, governance just the indoctrination yeah and just the over surveillance of like people and bodies and citizens and all of that I it's, think it's it, it is reflect is a reflection of how it's gr- l- you're grooming life is exactly you, like, you, yeah. you're groomed for obedience mm. because then when you grow up and you you have authority like you always do in your life you're obedient because you've been groomed to be so that, I feel like that's what public schools are like compared to private schools because that I don't know, like, I feel like in private schools they teach kids differently. It's I mean, they definitely do. They instill, yeah. like, a certain, like, confidence and a yeah. certain, like, Cockiness. this is ours. Uh, yeah, yeah, this confidence. is ours. Depending on the demographic of that school, I would call it entitlement. Mm. Yeah. But, but yeah. that's exactly why they then go and get these jobs and get these positions and and continue the cycle because they're mm. literally... T- and Because, honestly, like, so I went to private school for a year. That's where I met, like, um, Bianca. Carlos's uh, fiance. I went to private school for a year. Before then, it's actually crazy. Like, so do you know that Fallowfield Longsight area? Mm-hmm. So I, I grew up in Longsight. I went to school in Fallowfield. I went to like Birchfields Primary School. I don't, I don't know if you know it. You know the Fallowfield Retail Park. Yeah. There. When I tell you, like, I would go to school in flip flops. You know, like on on picture day, everyone would be scrambling at lost property for a fleece because no one wears the uniform really half the school couldn't even speak English like that's the kind of school I went to and then I go to like one of the best independent schools in the country which is literally like 200 metres I'm not even joking it's round the corner like you could draw the poverty line between the two schools you could have dropped me in Timbuktu and it would have been less of a culture shock like having gone there and you see it like all of a sudden these men are having speech and elocution lessons I'm thinking what is that (laughs) speech and elocution lessons I couldn't even get through a maths class properly in my old school Mm. they're doing all kinds of instruments all kinds of sports and it's so crazy the Mm. culture in these schools compared to public schools is insane and you learn you learn actually to the the extent to which they are groomed to leave those schools and take up certain positions right Mm -hmm. so it yeah you're very right about that mm-hmm. sorry yeah. I got a bit yeah, yeah, no. enamoured then <laughs> but yeah I don't think you necessarily notice that unless you've kind of have seen both Bro, elements like mm. so um, I went to the equivalent private school for like the entirety of yeah. secondary school um, before that like primary school I went to like the local comprehensive so but then obviously it wasn't to the same extent of the flip flops etc <laughs> How, however <clears throat> we're able to see like that difference between how kids are you got there in it like you got there yeah. and your peers they're 13 years old they all play like three instruments they all play like three different sports I mean to like, be fair I was alright <laughs> alright love alright love no but it was still it was a call like I remember turning up and like I think like the second day of school I remember like being like told off having my uniform a certain way and I was just like wait what mm. like what yeah. is this like yeah 
it's is yeah it's yeah. interesting mm. very much I don't so. agree with private schools I think no, it should be banned we've had this conversation on air we've yeah, had this conversation literally your second episode it was our second episode and we had this conversation and we said abolish private schools because essentially what you're saying is that not every single child is deserves the same opportunity yeah. level of opportunity exactly yeah mm. we, we literally is one of our first conversations in it <laughs> yeah and a half ago good times yeah, I've come a long way since yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, looking at the time probably in around things up unless there was um, anything else in particular you wanted to discuss. Uh, no, um but on the seventeenth of April I am performing at Manchester Punk Festival. Mm-hmm. So please do come down to that if you are interested in punk and poetry. How do they get tickets? Uh, I think you just go through Manchester Punk Festival. Like, okay, if you just it. yeah, just just Google it. Yeah. And they have an Instagram page as well. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, uh, Sunday seventeenth. Cool. Catch me there. Brilliant. And what about yourself? If people want to like have a look at your work, that sort of thing. Um, so Instagram, Twitter, both at Punk of Color. Um, I stopped kind of posting my poetry online because I'm trying to get some stuff published and a lot of publications are like, we will not accept previously published things Mm. and that includes like blogs and Instagrams and social medias, which is a bit unfair in my opinion, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I do have a few spoken word videos out on YouTube as well. If you just search Jay Mitra, I'm sure you'll find me. I love she's so impressed that you managed to get that handle. Like that wasn't already <laughs> thank a take. <laughs> yeah, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, you very feeling, much. You feeling inspired, Halima? You're gonna come in next week with like all your hair. Oh my god! I am getting my hair. I'm not, guys. I'm getting my hair done. I've booked it. I paid the booking fee a few days ago, and I'm not telling anyone what I'm doing. You're gonna be very <laughs> oh surprised after Ramadan. I'm so excited. I'm, You're I'm, never gonna guess. You know what, Carlos? I'll tell you off air. I'll tell you off air. I always tell everyone I'm not going to tell you, and then I get too excited. Okay. You but you're going red. No. 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 Ginger. No. You went ginger a bit last year. Was was that intentional? Excuse me. You did like. It was supposed to be. Guys, scroll up the mango myself. I mean, yeah, I did. I have black hair. Anytime you try and bleach it, guys, it just goes by default. Ginger. Yeah. I've done that. By default. But you'll I'm see. <laughs> you'll see. Excited. Sweet. Um, thank you so much for yeah. Thank coming you very much for today. coming in. That's um, a nice chat. Yeah, listeners as well. Thank you for <coughs> tuning in. Um, follow us on Instagram at Mango Masala Radio, and yeah, we'll see you same time next week, four to six on Pi Radio, Manchester's number one Euclid radio station. Gonna finish with Janab by Prince, um, new Bunga track. Well done, Halima. Halima's you know I mean? operating. I'm operating the system. For those who don't know, it's been like a year and a half, and I've just always let Carlos touch everything because my ADHD brain can't handle like all the knobs and buttons. But I'm learning. Anyways, guys, <laughs> from me, enjoy Janab.